0: Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menounos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. It is Thursday, August 27th, 2020. Guys, another month is almost down. Holy moly. Our quote of the day, relationships that do not end peacefully do not end at all. Whoa. Whoa, that's a good one. I'm going to say that again for you guys. Relationships that do not end peacefully do not end at all. Holy moly. That's my second holy moly already. That's by our guest, Catherine Woodward Thomas. She is the author of Conscious Uncoupling. We're going to be chatting with her today. All about how to facilitate the end of relationships, how to begin new relationships, how to know whether it's something to fight for, whether to, you know, say.
2: Throw in the towel.
0: Goodbye, nicely. But man, that's a really powerful quote. I know. Because it's true. The fight. I know so many people who are just still fighting the whole point was to get away from each other and you're actually more glued to each other and your life just wow Mm. i mean that's why you start to see stuff on dateline what (laughs) oh boy well yeah thank you guys for joining us as always uh if you haven't joined us on patreon please do we're gonna make it really easy because i know it's kind of challenging for some of us who are not big on patreon yet um you can go in the link on my Instagram bio and just click there join us um, over the $5 level you'll get access to these incredible shows that um, like the one we just did this week
1: so
0: game changing episode um, we kind of give you the cliff notes to what we learned at Tony Robbins Business Mastery class which was a $10,000 class we've been seeing so many of you flooding over there but the other reason to join us over at Patreon is we're really going to start focusing and doing so many cool things over there that is going to be exclusive that you won't get on the main show Um, so it will be worth your time and your money and I I hope that um, you'll help us build that show with you We want to know what you want to know more of and what you like. So let us know in the Discord and um, we'd appreciate it. If you haven't subscribed here on YouTube, please subscribe. And we'll always be able to let you know with notifications that we have someone amazing coming on the show. And we have so many amazing guests coming up. It's so exciting. So um, please join us there. And uh, yeah, so um, today... Is an interesting day for me. Mm-hmm. It is the four year anniversary of the day I got the call about my mom's brain tumor. And it's always interesting to me, and I've said this before, but I look back in my photo album and my iPhoto and I look at that day before and think, look at how carefree you were and how how different life was. Yeah. And Right after that. And by the way, and so we were looking at videos, fun videos Mm -hmm. of me on the set of E! News with my, with my colleagues and I was laughing and joking, not knowing I had a brain tumor in my own head, by the way.
1: Which is insane.
0: Which I would soon find out, but my mom was the first. And so um, it's just wild to think when things like that happen, you get a life threatening illness or a disease Mm -hmm. or whatever. In those first, you know, moments, you're like, oh my gosh, you just think the worst. And here we are four years later and here she is four years later. And I had a great conversation with her last night and she's um, cognitively better than she ever has been, which Mm -hmm. is amazing because as I pray for the miracles, like when she got her tumor came back in September last year, first I prayed for the miracle of, Make this tumor disappear. We got that. Then it was, okay, praying for the um, cognitive return. Okay, we're getting that and pretty much have that, I feel like. Now it's praying for the physical return. So Mm -hmm. I kind of chunk it. Mm -hmm. Can't ask God for everything. Although our our guest today, Catherine, says, don't bore God with little visions. (laughs) She says to go big. So um, Go big. I am really grateful that we're here four years later and that I've learned as much as I have and been able to help other people diagnosed with brain tumors. I'm currently helping another one of our Patreon members right now as she's going through this. And that reminds me, I have to reach out to her today. Let me put a note somewhere. I got you. I got you. Sydney needs a call. I've been answering everything over email with her right now. But yeah, it's it's kind of wild. So, um...
1: I mean, you guys are all troopers. I was saying this, Jeff, I was saying this from this morning when we were talking about it. It's like, you, Kevin, your dad, you guys are Vikings, but she's a Viking, mm-hmm. you know? It's... Yeah. She, and that call last, I was there for the brief moment you guys, or for the first bit of you guys chatting, and just like, dang. Dang. yeah, She... It's incredible
0: yeah I was looking at my phone and um I instantly got on a plane yeah and I could see I was screenshotting all the things I was researching on the plane because they said they found a mass so I started looking at the brain I started looking mm-hmm. at masses the tumors I was looking at everything like trying to figure out what she had what it could yeah. be what I needed to start preparing for and you think time is so different like I thought we were there for days in that uh-huh. hospital we were on a plane two days later. So she got diagnosed today the 27th. She was in the hospital. I got there the morning of the 28th and by the 29th in the evening we were on a plane. I thought I had many nights in that hospital. Like, but it was quick. Like, I thought I was guttural crying for a lot longer than Mm. I was. Like, you know, first you go into like the you know, trauma of it all and the shock and the fear, the crying. And then I had to go and When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, it's time to make your life a little easier, and to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them, too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. To Tom Brady quarterback yeah. mode, like, okay, yeah. I got a quarterbacker care and get yeah. into producer mode. I thought there was a lot more space in between that, so when You're I saw like, the calendar, so and I'm like, Wait, how in the hell were we on a plane by the 29th? Mm-hmm. Move fast, guys. Mm-hmm.
2: Maria, what was like the lead up? Because I have so little experience with brain tumors besides obviously you and um, your mom. But like, was it she was having symptoms and you got it looked at? Was it a routine yeah. physical?
0: So earlier that year, um, so that whole year, she was just really tired, mm. like really tired. And we thought maybe she had a Lyme disease. She went and got tested. We thought, you know, there were different kinds of things like that. And then when I came home to visit, my uncle was very sick with cancer. We came home um, to visit sometime in the summer. And I remember going to the doctor with her. And he said, if this test comes back negative, we're going to test you for fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, fibromyalgia? I'm like, my mom doesn't have that. P.S. I had no idea what fibromyalgia was, but I was like, like, "Not a chance." A way my mom has whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. And I remember going to SummerSlam in New York, mm. WWE, and I had a conversation with this woman, um, Greek woman, and she was telling me about her stepdaughter who had a brain tumor, wow. and how she kept getting misdiagnosed. She had a sinus infection all the time. She kept getting misdiagnosed, and then she goes through this harrowing tale. Of how brutal this brain tumor experience was. And I remember walking away and saying, Huh, I think I need to tell my mom to get an MRI. So weird, right? And you're seeing some weird stuff anyway, right now. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll explain that. Mm-hmm. So I remember leaving SummerSlam, and Monday morning I called my mom and I said, Hey, when you talk to your doctor, tell them you want to get an MRI. And she goes, what, well, Maria? You think I have a tumor? And I go, no, mom. I go, but let's just check oh and gosh. see what's going on in there. That was Monday of this week, four yeah. years ago. And we didn't even get a chance to talk to the doctor because by Saturday morning that that year, mm-hmm. obviously now it's a different day, but um, I got a call that she had like a mini stroke kind of thing mm-hmm were stroke-like symptoms, and they were airlifting mm-hmm. her because they found a mass on the CAT scan. And so it's just wild. And she was airlifted from here. She was airlifted yeah. from a local hospital to the main hospital in Hartford. Got it. And so what I say this because when you're not present, you don't see things and you don't hear things. Now, I heard enough that day to say, huh, my mom gets lots of sinus infections hmm who knows let's just try and I had been mm-hmm. we had been trying to figure out what it could have been or whatever and my mom worked crazy hard in her life so yeah. I was like maybe she's just tired I don't know but you gotta pay attention to the signals God is sending you the people he's putting in your path he or she whatever you want to believe um and if it's not God it's the universe whatever it is for you um got to pay attention to those things because they're telling you stuff now since then I've really really honed my listening skills and I am really great at it and I feel like I have such an incredible line of communication where even just yesterday I was interviewing someone and I asked God I said if you think if you think this isn't the right person for this position I said, you got to give me a sign. And I'm like, okay, what's the sign going to be? No, not a butterfly. I use that all the time. No, not this. I go, put the check engine light on on the minivan. And so,
1: back up, because we had just gotten the minivan back from the shop. We just so there's got it no way. fixed. Yeah.
0: Okay. We just got it fixed a couple days ago. Yeah. And so today, Kelsey and I get in the minivan, and I see the check engine light. And literally, I'm like, <gasps> And she, I couldn't even speak for the longest time. And I'm like, cause I thought of what's the craziest thing I could ask for. Wow. And Is so wild. It It's so wild. Now, when we sat down before that happened, we sat down, we were going to meet somebody, another person we were going to meet for this mm-hmm. position. And I said, why do I feel like this person canceled on me? And so I look and they had just canceled on me. So I feel like. I I don't think I'm some exceptional intuitive. I do know I have intuition, but I think we all have it. We're just not listening. And we don't have um, the patience to really kind of... um, understand the messages Mm. that we're getting, but I know every moment of my mom's journey and my journey, I've been guided and I've been told when I've asked, I've received, God, tell me what I'm supposed to do next with her. It would come in some form, whether it's a person, a video I would see just randomly on the internet, and I would connect the dots. So um, it's something that it takes a minute to kind of hone, but it really is helpful and it's been helpful on our journey and uh, and I'm I'm so grateful for um, the fact that my mom is still here with us because I yeah. know what a miracle. And she said that last night. She goes, Maria, I'm a miracle. She and I'm is. just like, and at the end of our call, she she's is. been. So good cognitively that lately she'll tell me at the end, I just, Maria, I want to say thank you for everything you're doing in case I forget. And I'm like, No, Mom, you don't forget. You remember. You tell me all the time. Okay, Maria. She's so cute. She misses
1: you so much, too. She, yeah. She, Are you packing? You're like, No, Mom, I'm not packing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, she misses you. Yeah. I know. And I love it's your funny. Parents. My um, I my mom and my dad are bald now because he finally shaved his head in solidarity with her. And the two
1: <laughs> of them are hilarious. Like my two little bald babies. <laughs> Maria goes, Mom, I see you're still bald. <laughs> dad, you're still bald. Fantastic. <laughs> amazing. Keep it up. Yeah. She's a stinking trooper. Yep. She's amazing. That's wild. Both of your parents are, like Jeff just said.
0: So um, I will say in honor of what um, I learned from watching Catherine Woodward Thomas's videos, I'm going to not bore God with my small visions. And I'm going to envision a world that is peaceful, that is loving to one another, Mm. because I will also say it is very heartbreaking to see what's happening in our world right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do other than to ask God for my biggest vision ever. Mm. So if you are feeling the same way, let's collectively put that energy out that we are yeah. all humans and we should all be treated with respect and kindness mm-hmm. and fairness and love and
1: be empathetic for one another
0: yeah the second we realize that we are all brothers and sisters we are all interconnected and and we treat each other like that we'll have such a different world so that is going to be my new my new vision with god Mm -hmm. so with that Hmm. Let's start our interview. Um, Catherine Woodward Thomas is one of the most respected thought leaders in the relationship space. She famously coined the term conscious uncoupling, which is a framework by which struggling couples can work toward the idea of completing rather than ending a relationship. Though she's an expert on finding your happily ever after, Catherine is also a celebrated relationship coach who's passionate about bringing couples back together despite struggles and her calling in the one course and book have served hundreds of thousands of people. Um, I'm so excited. Uh, thank you, Catherine, for joining us today.
3: It's an honor. Thank you for having me.
0: So uh, I know that you're in Northern California. How are you holding up with all the fires?
3: Well, we're in Berkeley, so we're safe from the fires. But obviously, the air quality is bad, and we're heartbroken for our friends. and Yeah. Touching very closely and opening our home to people who need a place to stay.
0: Oh, wow. Um, you had a very traumatic situation with your family um, growing up, and it's, pro- it's what's catapulted you into this work, obviously. So before we get into um, your teachings, I think it's always nice for people to understand that you get where they're coming from.
3: Well, you know, I was like the least likely, excuse me, candidate to ever be a teacher on love and relationships because I had really toxic patterns. I had a tendency to, I mean, all through my adult years, how that played out was unavailable people, a lot of dramas, a lot of traumas. Um, I had a particular knack for getting involved in impossible love affairs, married people, engaged people, alcoholics, commitment phobic but a lot of codependency, a fascination with people who are very narcissistic and couldn't ever really be present to meet my needs. So I would say, and you know, meanwhile, I'm becoming a therapist. I'm founding a nonprofit organization. I'm a singer-songwriter. I had a cabaret career in Manhattan. So, you know, when we have these patterns, it's not like our whole lives are falling apart in some areas. We're functional, you know, and people and doing great things in the world. But I can track it back. And I think that we're all pretty savvy with being able to connect the dots with my mother did this or my father did that. In my case, my parents got divorced when I was quite young. They were babies when they got married. They got married because they got pregnant, which was not a great plan since they didn't actually love each other. And, uh, and, and they had a very antagonistic, angry divorce that lasted for years and ended with uh, what we call parental alienation, where I lost connection with my beloved father, who I loved more than anyone on the planet. And I think that that was a very defining experience for me because there were decisions I made about myself. That I wasn't lovable, that I wasn't valuable because uh, she, in particular, the story is that he owed back child support and she threatened to sue him unless he gave up parental rights. And so he gave up parental rights. And how I interpreted that as a 10-year-old was that he sold me Mm. and that I wasn't valuable to him. So that's, of course, what I was playing out. Uh, in my adult life. And truthfully, Maria, it wasn't until I got into my 40s and I was a meditator. And I, as I said, I was a psychotherapist from the inside out, really working on my own issues and And always a person who pays things forward and tries to help other people. I'm a real big believer in that, that when you've gained some ground to reach out and help someone else gain ground. So that's actually how I became a therapist. I also had an eating disorder. It played out in in that way uh, that I started when I was 14. And uh, it kind of came to a head when I was in my mid-20s. So I was in the 12-step program for 12 years dealing with that. So I was not a newbie to personal development. And yet I could not crack the code on how to heal myself.
0: All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused
3: kind of toxic dynamics that were happening that were so painful for so long until I got into my 40s and I started to work with the metaphysical principles of standing for an unreasonable future that is not going to happen unless you actually commit to it and I was a part of a group and we were holding the high watch with and for each other and mostly the group was doing things like um, doubling their income, or buying their first home, or starting a business. But my love, of, my love life was the point that I really needed to transform. So I called up a friend from this group, kind of in a place of despair because I had had yet another failed love affair. And I called her and I said, "You know, I'm going to set a really unreasonable, outrageous intention to be engaged by my 42nd birthday." And thank God she didn't laugh at me. But what she did say changed my life, Maria, because she said, Catherine, I will hold that with you and for you if you give me permission to hold you accountable for being the woman that you would need to be Oof. in order for that to happen. And that was a wake-up call.
0: So what did you do?
3: Well, I, the, so that was an invitation to stop blaming my upbringing to stop blaming the culture, mm-hmm. to stop blaming men. I mean, we all have all these reasons, right? My thighs are too big. Um, I'm too powerful. Men don't like women who are more powerful than them. <clears throat> I'm too messed up from my childhood. Those were all the kind of reasons I was telling myself. Excuse me, I'm just going to mute for one it's second. Okay.
0: Yeah, this is where Tony Robbins says, divorce the story, marry the truth.
3: Oh, I like that. Yeah, divorce the story and marry the truth. That's gorgeous. Yeah, Who says that Tony Robbins. Uh, good for him. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, and, and divorce the story. I'm not valuable. Yeah. I'm all alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm unwanted. All the meaning that we make from the traumas that we experience, really, from people doing the best that they could, or maybe even not doing the best that they could, but making the choices that they made, it's not so much the trauma, it's the meaning that we make of the trauma, and then how we are showing up inside of that meaning that is enrolling everybody into that story. And it's very covert. So what I did when my friend invited me to do this, is I, gave, I lay all of that down, all of the excuses, really all of the victimization. And there's a way that I was even at that point victimized by my own consciousness, meaning I knew that I had self-esteem issues, I knew that I had invisibility issues, codependence issues, but at some point, if those issues are bigger than me, if they're in the sign of the ethereal unconscious, which lives somewhere out here or in here But in some dark place that I have no access to, I'm victimized by it. It's bigger than me. And what I did is I stepped into being 100% responsible that I am the source of my patterns. I am the source of my experiences. And I am the one who's showing up now and perpetuating the story. I am the one who's leaving myself alone by Mm self-abandoning. I am the one who's no longer valuing myself when I don't negotiate for my needs before hopping into bed with somebody. I am the one who is not wanting myself when I reject myself and I think that someone else is better than me and I decide that I'm inferior and they're somehow worthy of me organizing around them at the cost of my own well-being. So when I took that level of responsibility... That's when I started to really see how I was getting in my way. Now, I also was sitting on my meditation cushion every every day. And I was doing the metaphysical technique of visioning. And I was very influenced by Michael Beckwith. I don't know if you know Michael, but mm-hmm. he's at the uh, Agape International Spiritual Center. And he created a visioning process That was very influential to me at the time and still is. I love his process where you're visioning in a way where you, you, you imagine that what you desire is something that you have right now. Yep. And you, and you put that into your senses. What does it smell like when uh, the great love of my life is cooking my favorite meal for me? What does it sound like when he's singing in the shower? What does it feel like when he puts his hand on the small of my back and I just kind of melt? So you're, you're putting that into your body and all of your sensations. And then, and this is Michael's, this is Michael's process. And then I asked myself three questions. What would I need to give up in order for this to manifest? And then you sit in the silence and you listen, not like you're going to have some big booming burning bush experience, but you know, we know things intuitively. Mm -hmm. We sense things. We all know the answer to that question when we listen. The second question, what would I need to begin to grow and cultivate and develop to receive this into my life? And listen again. And then what is my next step? so that instead of begging god you know praying to the universe hoping that it happens i actually become a co-creator and i start leaning into who will i need to be in order for that future to manifest and and what's the story of that future that i can now bring into my present so jo- uh, dr joe dispenza says mm-hmm. do not tell me the story of your past tell me the story of your future
0: oh so good. We have had yeah. him, um, him on the show. He's amazing. Yeah, he's um, awesome. But it's also Michael Beckwith's um process is very familiar to me because I've I've studied um Esther Hicks and, you know, Abraham Hicks and, you know, the kind of the power of uh, you know, your desires and your beliefs being aligned for, in order for you to manifest what you want. So, asking it is given can only work if you actually believe it can come and it matches your desire. Um,
3: and, and believe that you're worthy of receiving it. Yeah. And when it comes to love, I actually created a term called your core love identity. <clears throat> and this is why it's so difficult and challenging to change this particular pattern. I mean, all of the patterns that we're working on changing are, are are challenging because it's it's effort to change a pattern, but there's something very core about the se- the sense of self that we formed in response to our early childhood relationships, and in particular to our dependency needs, which is not a very popular concept because we all like to think of ourselves as not really needing anyone. And we're very independent people. But the truth is, is that nature really has designed us to be interdependent. And when we start to care about someone in an intimate way, and we begin to form an intimate partnership with that person, our dependency needs will kick up. And if we had early caregivers who were untrustworthy uh, in some way or even had ill intent in some way, that that's when we go into I am not safe here or a core I am not loved and so I have to constantly try and earn love or try and prove love or try and give love to try and get it. So all of the kind of core patterns that we have really boiled down to this whole sense of self. So the beliefs that we have being aligned with the desires, it's really having a almost a pre-conscious knowing in your body that I am worthy of the love that I desire. I am already deeply loved by all of life. I, it's evidence that um, I am wanted, that, that I am here, that life has conspired against the odds to get me here, that I have the power to keep myself safe. Right. So it's, 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 and a lot of the beliefs that we formed back then, Maria, are outside of language Mm. because they were formed when we were in the crib or even in the womb.
0: Or even too young to really be able to articulate what was happening.
3: Exactly. Exactly. So our challenge is to begin to put language to the felt sense in, in our body of what, what, where we go at the level of identity when we get quote unquote triggered. Who and wow. and there to to every I'm alone or I'm not wanted or I'm not safe, there is a corresponding belief about others. So inside of the I'm not valuable, other people are better than me. Or inside of the I'm alone, everyone always leaves me. Mm.
0: to do anything else it is incredible I love it frizz free up your schedule with way go to the way t-h-e-o-u-a-i.com and enter the promo code heal squad for 15% off any product that's the way t-h-e-o-u-a-i.com promo code heal
3: squad trust me you won't regret it I'll never uh, no one will ever really show up for me which is of course the foundation for getting entangled with married men, because if you're centered there, and this was what was happening for me, centered there, it didn't even occur to me in the early stages of attraction to assess whether someone could actually be there for me. It was such a, you know, we we don't have beliefs like they're a cognitive thought. It's just the water we swim in. Of course, no one will ever be there for me. It's just an expectation. As much as the air that we breathe, if I breathe in, there'll be oxygen for me. So you know, part of the task that we have, and it sounds cumbersome right now, but I I assure you it's not, that once you begin to ask the right questions of yourself and you just take a bit of time to get conscious, they're right there, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: they're right there. What's the feeling I have in my body when the pattern runs again? where is it in my body and what's the I am and it'll be right there and then you say how old are you sweetheart you just talk to that part of you how old are you angel and that's where you get to tell that younger you no honey it's not that you're all alone You're first of all you're not alone because I'm here and you're not alone you were never really alone it's just that your mother was 18, and scared, and distracted, and, and upset, and afraid, and, and certainly not ready to be a mother. That's what the reality was, but that had nothing to do with you. Let me tell you about yourself, right? So, and also, the, the, there are pieces in the second question, what would I need to grow and develop? Well, if you've grown up with this I'm alone sense, you never actually know how to do things like navigate conflict well in a way that roots down love as opposed to is the beginning of the end and destroys love. So there's actually missing development that keeps the pattern in place. So when you're able to wake up to the deeper truth, then you also say, what's the development I need to engage to graduate from this pattern?
0: What's the and I am part?
3: So the I am is, so the I am, I am deeply connected to everyone. And I did not come here to be alone. I came here to love and be loved. And I have the power to create happy, healthy relationships that last over time. I have that power.
0: Wow. I have an idea that you probably have already done. But you have such an incredible vocal tone Mm -hmm. and calm demeanor that makes someone feel so safe that I feel like you need to do a meditation that walks us through those questions and gives us the pause to come up with the answers. Like if you just walked everybody through that process, because it's it's a lot for someone to, to get into this place and to... You know, once you find the time, you're like, wait, what was the question? I really feel like that would be really cool.
3: I'm happy to do that for you guys.
0: I think it would be amazing.
3: Yeah, Um, thank you. I mean, I do it in my classes and we do it all the time together.
0: Yeah, but you Um, probably have an app or something. I feel like I I just signed up for this app called The Breathing Room. Are you familiar with it?
1: No. Oh, my Lord.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. This woman, I was obsessed with her meditation. It was called The Soul Sync. And all of a sudden she left YouTube and I'm like, where is it? I need her. I need her soul sink And her voice was perfect. And I found her, she created this app called The Breathing Room and her voice just calms my whole body instantly. And I go into wow. a whole meditative trance and it's amazing. But now you have the ability to do that, but also to help us find the answers to these massively life-changing transformations.
3: It is life-changing, and and here's the thing. I mean, I'm a therapist and I love therapy. And I think that therapy is gorgeous. And some of the most sacred moments of my life have been sitting in that conversation with people. But therapy is not necessar- necessarily the technology of transformation. Mm. And, it's, and it's a different uh, process to manifest a miracle. And I'm going to call a miracle something that you've never been able to create before. So there's a difference between healing, which healing trauma, which we need to do and actually declaring a future that's not going to happen and living into that future and 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 actually co-creating that possible future. and um <clears throat> there's a there's a a term that I love that um that Hazel Marcus uh, at Stanford created with Paullinaaririus called the possible self. You're, you're stepping into the possible self of that future and you're living into that future. And the, when you do that and you start identifying the new ways of showing up from that future, your life changes fast. So, you know, those of us have been doing our work for years, we, we understand the value of healing trauma and the slow and steady countable progress we're making. But this is, this is a shift like whew, mm-hmm. like that. You can shift it in an evening where, because here's the thing, beliefs are relational. There's only so much we're going to do just sitting, writing in our journals or even talking about it with our therapist. Beliefs are relational. So if you have a belief that men don't want me, men want other women, you know, they just want me for sex. Let's say that that's, and some people have that men don't really want me for me. And so you're showing up in a way that is kind of covertly generative of that experience. You're giving yourself away too quickly. Maybe you're very sexually aggressive. You're kind of throwing yourself at people because inside of the idea that nobody wants me, you've got to work twice as hard to be wanted. So you're actually coming on really strong inside of that consciousness. The moment you get, oh, I am a a woman who is worthy of being wanted. And men, many men would want me. And I'm an extraordinary woman who's worthy of being wanted. And then you start showing up from that center. And suddenly, you're not overgiving your energy. You're just present. And you're kind of waiting to see what's coming towards you. To see whether you want to accept that or not into your life. And suddenly, what happens is men start to show up differently. It happens like that. Mm-hmm. And you realize, oh, that was never true. That was always something I was doing. It was never who I was. Mm-hmm. And it's in the relational field where people are showing up differently that we begin to wake up out of the trance. So of the that old story. could be
0: applied, that same technique can. Op- op- obviously I would think be applied to a marriage that's hurting right
3: absolutely
0: you can shift the marriage you can you can make those adjustments just with those perspective shifts or the energy shift or right can you explain that
3: and that's the that's the next work I'm really exploring right now is how does this then play out in relationship, because I think that where we get stuck in our relationships is that we will, outside of conscious awareness, very often just default to an old story. Our dependency needs somebody disappoints us, we don't get our needs met, and we'll default to see no one will ever be there for me. Some old story, I am all alone, even in this relationship, I'm alone. Mm -hmm. And then inside of that center, maybe we start to get so anxious that the other person's going to leave that we start to self-abandon chronically. I'm going to just start to people-please you. I'm going to put your feelings and needs above my own. Now I've self-abandoned. I've created aloneness and alienation within myself. And essentially, if you do that long enough over time, you leave the other person all alone in the relationship because it's not really you that's in that relationship. You're just trying to be who they, you think they want you to be in order to try and get them to not be alone. So I'm giving one, you know, one out of a thousand scenarios about how that works. But those of us who have what's called anxious attachment, will be playing out. You haven't heard that? No. Anxious attachment? Not- uh, so there's so back in the 80s, you know, John Bowlby created uh, the attachment uh, theories. Before that, look, a lot of us, I'm in my 60s now. So a lot of us, and particularly people my age, we grew up in the age of Dr. Spock. And back in the 50s, he was <laughs> telling mothers, do not pick up your babies when they cry. Let them cry it out. You don't want to create dependent adults. Well, now, of course, we know the that because consciousness is swarming, babies only have their voice to cry. They can't, you know, feed themselves. They're gonna and they will die if nobody comes. So that's a real anxiety that babies have. And some of us got stuck there. Wow. So we'll do anything to not be abandoned. And and abandonment might even for those of us who have this at an acute level, which I did, uh those of us who have this very severely will get that anxious just even when someone's not happy with us,
0: mm-hmm.
3: if they are disapproving of something that we do. So that's the core of the codependent, you know, dynamic. and And, you know, we've been chipping away at this on a symptom level, and we kind of know that we need to have better boundaries or, you know, things like that. But really there's inner development of understanding your own consciousness. And it has to start with saying, sweetheart, you're never alone. I'm right here. I will not abandon you anymore. Mm-hmm. I will not abandon you. Because our relationships with others can only be as good as our relationship with ourselves. So, yes. Yeah, so if you can interrupt that. So you now you're in the couple and you have someone who's able to say, you know, wait a minute, I have a feeling that's different than yours. I have a desire that's different than yours. One of the hallmarks of he- happy, healthy love is the ability for someone to uh, tolerate being disappointed and not withdraw love. Ooh. Ooh, right?
0: That's a good one.
3: Or, and vice versa. You know, I'm going to, my, my love is going to disappoint me and I don't like it and I can express that, but I don't punish that person by withholding my love or withdrawing love. That's what creates health in a relationship because now you can have people safe to be autonomous, whole people who are separate yet together. So some of these things, you know, you have to go back to the level of consciousness when I was in the crib and nobody was coming when I was crying. And you have to almost do, uh, uh, you know, that practice with yourself where you go and you pick the baby up. You say, I'm right here, sweetheart. Yeah. I'm right here. And it's okay. And it's actually healthy and safe to express your needs, your desires that are different, your displeasure with the other person's behavior, your opinions that are different. And so you create, when you start to pattern interrupt how the dance step goes. It gives the other person a chance to grow too, and if you're really good friends, which hopefully we're all aspiring to, you can actually tell each other what the triggers are wow i'm I'm just you just ooh, you didn't like what I just said, and now I'm in an I'm bad story and I think you're gonna be mad at me and leave me. That's wow, I'm four years old right now. Hang on, let me find my adult so I can respond wow, to what you just
0: I did. love that let me find my adult <gasps> Yeah, I know. Cause like, if Kevin and I, my husband and I, get into any kind of like good, meaningful fight or argument, I, I will get really panicked that it's over. I'm like, oh my god, it's yeah, over. Yeah, and I'd then it, right that that must be the little girl in me that's afraid, and I'm just gonna have to be like, oh no, let's find the adult,
3: and well, and and the first person you need to talk to is her. So this isn't about bypassing her at all, right? This is about you saying, hang on, Kevin, hang on. Yeah. Because I've got a very, you know, frightened three-year-old here right now. That has
0: nothing to do with you.
3: That has nothing to do, that predated you.
0: And that puts them at ease instantly because then they know they're dealing with something that was pre-existing, and that now you're going to make an effort not to bring it into this.
3: Yeah. And then they become an advocate in your healing. They become your friend and ally.
0: Wow. That's incredible.
3: Isn't that great? But I think that, I think that, you know, there has been uh, beautiful work in Imago therapy where some of this is distinguished, how we're playing out the old stories, um, one way I differ a bit from the Hendricks, um, who I love and respect tremendously, uh, they've done a lot to to help a lot of people. But I think that what the, one of the things that they say is we are the keeper of each other's healings, and in that moment where you're in the three year old, that <clears throat> ideally I think Kevin would step up and 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 know that and start to nourish the three year old. I actually disagree with that because I think we're so powerful that if i'm in three-year-old i will show up in ways that will pull on others to duplicate what happened in the past so i'm actually like setting up the scenario inside of the power of my own consciousness and so what i need to do first is i need to tend to the Mm three-year-old i need to know what the truth is i need to be standing in a place of 100% responsibility for how I'm interpreting what's happening and then responding to what's happening in a way that could potentially generate evidence and set people up. Haven't you ever been in a relationship where you feel like they just completely set me up? I never behaved that way. Mm -hmm. I behaved that way with them because that's how they expected me to behave. And then they covertly set me up and there was no way to avoid it.
0: Now, do you have any role in that? Because you well, carry in a certain energy?
3: Well, it could lock in, but I think it ha- it's happened to me where there hasn't been a role necessarily. You know, somebody does something, they put you in a double bind and you're kind of damned if you do or damned if you don't and mm-hmm. you, you end up playing out that situation with them i think what happens with couples is that very often we will choose people who have a similar story to ours oh yeah and then we'll kind of bounce off each other
0: like if you notice you know
3: too. we all feel you know if you're in a if you're in a situation with your partner and you're feeling completely unheard if you went to them and say, well, "How are you feeling?" they'd say, "I feel completely unheard." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep, <laughs> that sounds pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. I yeah. wonder, like, you know, when you're um, when you're dealing with couples who are trying to figure out, is this relationship salvageable? Um, Is this one to fight for, or do we throw the towel in? How do you guide them in those scenarios?
3: Well, I do err on the side of keeping people together. Um, I'm a big believer in long-term love, and I didn't create conscious uncoupling because I make light of breakups. I created conscious uncoupling because even though I'm pro-marriage, I'm not pro-misery. And I also recognized that the happily ever after myth, which we're all collectively aspiring to as the holy grail of love, mm-hmm. was actually just created by uh, people who were somewhat desperate about 400 years ago in life conditions that were very difficult and very different from our life conditions. And one of the differences is that the lifespan was under 40. And there was no mobility. There was no promise of upward mobility in particular because there was a law on the books. This is back in Italy in the, in the 16th century. And there was a law on the books that forbid a noble person from marrying a commoner. So if you were born into poverty, you were going to die in poverty. So we have to look at some of these cultural myths that we're aspiring to and say, wait a minute, where did that come from? And Mm -hmm. who set that rule like who made that up I think because I think we have the happily ever after kind of with God made the mountains God made the sun and God made us to live happily ever after and that's how we kind of hold it hold it but it's not necessarily how it is so I'm not a believer in long-term union when people um, are unkind to each other when they are out of integrity with each other for a long period of time, Uh, when they are so out of sync, when they have slipped into going from soulmate to soul hate and the bond is a negative bond and a destructive bond. I think we all can point to couples who have kind of done damage to each other's souls over the years. Years ago, um, I heard Thomas More say, do not celebrate the marriage of uh, 50 years until you know what that marriage has done to the souls of the two people who've been in that marriage. So I I, bet having gone through the consequences, really not just once, but three times, my mother was married four times, three very toxic divorces, so much so that um, the third divorce uh, she divorced my stepfather when I was 25. He he just recently passed. God bless him. Um, but up to about six months before he died, he was still calculating how much money my mother owed him and threatening to take her to court. So I understand toxic divorce. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and do you I think that- that's
0: why maybe you are more of a fan of staying together? Because you know how painful the
3: exit is? Well, it's why I created uh, not, not a pain-free exit, because we're not designed that way. If we lose someone we love, we will always feel sad. Yeah. But a toxic-free exit, yeah, where it has dignity and respect. By the way, most people think conscious uncoupling is only if two people are going to do it together. It's actually written for the individual, because completion isn't just about the physical completion. It's not just about giving the keys to the condo back, Completion is about truly being at peace and having internal closure. Merritt Malloy once said, relationships that do not end peacefully do not end at all. I know
0: we started the show with that quote. I mean, we thought it was your quote. Now we know it wasn't your quote, but um, regardless, it it was an amazing quote, I think. Um, you know, did you see the movie, The Marriage Story? I think it was called Marriage oh, Story. I did. Oh I my did. Lord, how poignant was that? How, how real was that? And, and don't you wish like you could find a way to be in the middle of all of them so that you could just give them this route?
3: <laughs> well, I, I want to, I, I want a sequel to The Marriage Story, which is two people who've actually gone through conscious uncoupling together as they're going through it. Because the story doesn't have to go like that. And what to me that movie portrayed was you have two really good people who are starting off with the best of intentions. And still, it became this horrible gnarly knot that did great damage to the souls of the two people who were separating and to their child. So that's what conscious uncoupling is avoiding, because we don't know how to do this well. See, inside the happily ever after myth, we just have it that it's bad and wrong to separate. And so we never learned how to do it well. Mm. But there is a way to do it well that's much more elegant, much more generous, much more um, contained and kind. and, And that's actually what that offering is. And I will tell you, Maria, that when I, when I created it, I first created it as an online course, and I had maybe a thousand people through the course. When Gwyneth got wind of it, and she popped it into the lexicon, and the next day it was in the dictionary, and uh, the the dictionary definition was changing the face of divorce in the twenty first century. And I swear, I could have died then and there. I was just so fulfilled and happy, yeah. that I would have contributed something that corrected the deepest wounding I had suffered. And I, I think that that's what we're all here to do, truthfully.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I was saying earlier how you talk about um, don't bore God with your little visions, right? Go big. <laughs> and I wonder, was that something that you ever put out there? Yeah.
3: Um, what that you mean in a book or something? No, did you ever put put out
0: there with God that you wanted to be able to fix this for people?
3: Oh, that's interesting. I will tell you that from a very young age, and I haven't really ever been able to figure out where the source of this came from, but I have had a burning desire to contribute goodness to the world, Mm -hmm. healing, light, and love. As a matter of fact, I had my I had a spiritual awakening when I was 14, which is a very fancy way of saying I was you know, I was a pretty messed up kid because I you, you now know my playing field. So I I was actually scheduled to go and do drugs. I was I was uh I was an at-risk kid. So I was smoking by the time I was 10 and doing drugs by the time I was 14 and you know, sleeping around by the time I was 14, too. I was quite troubled and uh, and i was supposed to go to this party where we were going to do some hard drugs and then the girl got sick so i had nothing to do that weekend and i had a friend invite me to a little church service that she went to and i cuz i had nothing to do i went i sat in the corner like this with my leather jacket on you know i was just completely bored this stupid sunday school class led by this woman ironically named faith with buck teeth <laughs> and i thought the whole thing was ludicrous but at the very end um, she invited each of us to go around the room and just say a simple little prayer going out. And when it was my turn to speak and I prayed out loud, this this, this energy came in like it was really a kundalini awakening. I never knew such a thing existed, but this, this light came through the top of my head and whisked through my body. And from that moment forward, I knew that there was something larger than me. And that I was not supposed to destroy myself. So I actually stopped doing drugs, which was great. It saved my life. That, that was it. That was it. I just stopped doing drugs. I just knew that wow. I was loved and that I had a, a reason to be here and so I started doing things like reading sacred scriptures and all sorts of things. I mean, I would do it with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. So it was kind of a...
1: <laughs> amazing.
3: <laughs> it was kind of a wild mess. But I had this prayer all through when I was a teenager please let me do something good in this world. So wow. I, that's oh God, really I where cry. it came from. So I didn't have the Oof. conscious uncoupling in particular, but.
0: But you did it. Oh, you did something good in you. this world. That's amazing yeah what a beautiful story oh
3: Oh, thank you
0: I just like envision everything that you had gone through and just it's like I was saying earlier in the show nothing's really happening by accident we're just not paying attention we're moving so fast and so you were guided to that space to that church that day for a reason because god wanted to tell you that he loved you <laughs> that's crazy and that or... i
3: shouldn't destroy myself with drugs
0: yes and that you had I'd a higher never purpose done hard
3: drugs to this day <laughs> <laughs> good
0: <laughs> um but i think it's um it's kind of full circle for what we were talking about earlier it's it's really amazing and your work is amazing and i um I, I have so many other things that I, I would love to get to at some point with you. We can have another session, especially with your new book, because I, I can see where you're going with it and it's, yeah. it's powerful stuff. And I think, you know, we all have traumas. We all have, we've all been victimized in different ways, but right. you know, as, as Tony says, divorcing the story and marrying the truth as hard as it is, it actually is a shorter time period of hard And a longer period of easy, rather than having the hard long (laughs) that you will continue to live through if you continue to be attached to that story.
3: That's right. That's right. Beautifully said.
0: So thank you so much. Wow. This was a beautiful conversation and I'm obviously very moved. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and share all of that knowledge. And um, I look forward to another chat with you.
3: Thank you. Thank
0: you. All right whoo man every day guys (laughs) every day
1: i have so many good things from her
0: i mean taking it up a notch every day
1: that's wild i love i love that i would read the scripture but with the cigarette hanging out of my mouth yeah damn it's just it's. she spoke so purely to the fact that you really like you said if you listen And you schedule your think tank time, right? Yeah. You listen, you look around. You can really, you can change yourself. Not only change yourself, but you can change everyone around you. You can really give back. And I don't know. So cool.
0: Jeff is so moved. He's speechless.
2: Well, I just loved when she said, do not celebrate a 50 year marriage until Mm -hmm. you know what that marriage Mm -hmm. has done to those people's souls. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? like... Mm -hmm. I think what's so beautiful about her work is like I think when people hear about conscious uncoupling, they assume she's like a pro-divorce relationship expert Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. It's so easy to – especially because the idea of conscious uncoupling has been kind of hijacked by the culture, I feel. Mm -hmm. But she's totally this really, really firm believer in the beauty of love. And I think what she's doing is advocating for self-love first, which allows for love in a couple, Mm -hmm. but giving people permission – to walk away if it's damaging their souls that's so important i love it
0: well thank you guys as always for joining us um i uh i think we should ask her by the way to do that meditation i was giving it as like kind of an idea for her but since she was so excited to do it for us, I think it'd be great yeah. for our audience to be able to have that kind of have someone walk them yeah. through those steps. So, Jeff, if you would ask her to do that, that would be amazing. You said
1: that. I was like spot on that voice you could just lay and listen to forever. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking, Maria, maybe for our Patreon. We've been wanting to put yes. more exclusive kind of bonus content yeah. there. So Wait, for wasn't those
0: are... Catherine the one that was giving the course away for one of our Patreon members?
2: Yeah, she is.
1: Hello. Away... You want to
0: like share that with everybody? Hello. Yeah,
2: This is unbelievable. So
0: Jeff's like, yes, now I remember.
1: here I
2: am. I uh, have it in the end here, but she's giving away a calling in the one coaching class. It's her class. So she offers an eight-week course. It's a $495 value. And she's giving it away, which is unbelievable. It's two hours for eight weeks every day via Zoom. You're meeting other people who are going through the journey with you. But it's about, like she says, doing the important self-work you need to call in the one it's partially based on her best-selling book so again that's an eight-week course by $495 wow. and one of our patrons is being given it for free <laughs>
1: so crazy. Jeff and I are joining patreon and we <laughs> yep, are I love I'm like it. I'm in it. I have to say my one other thing that I loved that she said because it tied back to Tony was asking the right questions yeah yeah so it's like you can discover so many things if you just ask the right Ask the Ooh, right questions all it. right
0: guys thank you so much follow us at katherine woodward tom t-h-o-m on twitter at katherine woodward thomas on instagram we'll put all of this in the summary so you guys can just click and find her uh at jeffrey crane graham at Kelsey Meyer too at maria Menunes. and remember be nice people make good choices and be present